items arriving daily, we would love to help you ring in the new year in style. Come and enjoy our unmatched service and ownership experience at Finley Automotive's newest luxury dealership. Jaguar Land Rover Henderson, located in the Valley Auto Mall or online at jlrhenderson.com. Sound off Raider Nation. Join JT the Brick weekdays from noon to 2 p.m. from the most interactive talk show in sports talk radio. We are RNR 920 AM, KRLV Las Vegas. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. Just going to let that ride on out. That's all I'm going to do. That's what I do. I like it. Tomorrow's looking at me like, what are you doing? What are you doing, dude? I'm just letting it ride on out. That's all we do. Vinny Bonsignor is going to be joining us in a matter of minutes. Of course, Vinny, uh, you can hear him every single morning on the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Of course, you can read all his writing. In the RJ. And you know, it's funny. We were talking about how the Dolphins back in the day fleeced the Raiders when the Raiders gave them the number three overall pick, moved down to number 12. And I just decided I wanted to, you know, just humor myself. Let's put it like that. I wanted to humor myself. And so I did. I looked up the draft Bible as far as the draft capital. I looked it up, what it would be in 2023. And I realized it's not 2023 when they made this trade. I realized that. But Damon let us know. That when the Raiders gave up pick number three, moved back to number 12, picked up DJ Hayden, and the Dolphins picked up Deion Jordan, the only thing that the Raiders got in return for their number three overall pick was also the number 42 overall pick, which they turned into Menelik Watson. Let me tell you how bad of a fleecing that is. If it was today, in 2023, like for example, the Raiders' number seven overall pick right now is worth 1,500 points. The number one overall pick is number is worth 3,000 points. That's what Raider Mac always keeps saying Trade up to number one. Well, you got to give up a lot. You got to find fifteen hundred points in draft capital to give up just to make it equal. But you have to give up more. That's in in theory. That's what you're supposed to do. So the number three overall pick in twenty twenty three is worth twenty two hundred points. Number twelve is worth twelve hundred points. So that's a thousand points that you have to make up. The number forty two overall pick is only worth four hundred eighty points. So what'd you say about the math, Demond? When I was telling you that. That math ain't mathin'. Exactly, exactly. So the math ain't there. So if you're going to trade, at least get value for the trade that you're looking at. So if the Raiders are trading out of number seven, they better get enough in return to make it worth it. Now let's go out to the phone lines right now, bring in our good friend Vinny Bonsignor from Raider Nation Radio 920. Of course, he's also with the RJ. And Vinny, I was just, well, you heard what we were talking about, talking about the draft capital and trading out of that number seven spot. If the Raiders were to say trade back, what do you think that, how much do you think that they should get in return? Well, it depends on where they're uh, going back to, um, you know, and uh, I, you know, and, and it's a possibility uh, of them trading back. But I wonder about trading up because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, they're sitting on nine draft picks. They're going to have eleven. See what happens when Derek Carr, uh, you know, gets traded or if he gets traded. That's still kind of a forty-sixty proposition right now, I would say. Um, but I would think the, 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 the possibility exists of them moving up almost more than it does moving down because they do have so many picks. Uh, but if they were uh, to, to trade down, I mean, uh, you know, if, if somebody's coming from, let's say, 12 or 13 or 14, you better get a second-round pick at least for that, plus their first-round pick, obviously. So, um, you know, maybe a, maybe a sixth-round pick or a fifth-round pick. But, you know, you have to do the right thing. And, and the, the trade that you described, that was just laughable. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I knew when it happened, I wasn't happy. But then when DeMond actually gave me the details of what it was, it made me more angry. <laughs> right? Ridiculous. I don't know what, 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 what they were thinking to drop that far 
uh, and, and really get uh, just a very minimal return. Right, exactly. That just can't happen. So uh, if the Raiders were to look at the draft and say, you know what, we want to go ahead and trade up, who are you trading up for, Vinny, if you're in that front office and you're in that war room? Well, I think in that situation, it would probably be for a quarterback. If you feel like, uh, you know, if you wanted to draft a quarterback that high, uh, are you comfortable that sitting at number seven, you know, a Will Levis, who seems to be shooting up the draft board, uh, not surprisingly, um, this guy's got size, he's got uh, a, an arm, just a cannon, he's got mobility, there's a lot to like about Will Levis, and it seems like he's the, uh, the, the darling right now in terms of the guy that, that's scooting up the, uh, the, 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 uh, the draft chart. Um, you know, CJ Stroud, uh, the Ohio State quarterback, do you want to go all the way to uh, number one and just decide who, if you get to number one, then you're deciding who the best quarterback right. is in this draft, right? So, uh, I would think that, you know, uh, it would have to be for a, a quarterback. Uh, that's the only scenario necessarily you see where, where they're, where they're moving up. Is there a quarterback that you're seeing that you're like, okay, I think that could be the guy and be in Josh McDaniel's system and really flourish? I th- you can make a case really honestly for all three uh, of those guys. Um, and, and here's the thing, you know, everyone talks about, boy, if they, if they brought in a, a rookie quarterback, or let's just say one of those top three, um, you know, that, that would represent a, a full rebuild. Well, don't forget that, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels and the Patriots got to the playoffs with Mac Jones, who was a first-round pick. They plucked a rookie quarterback, put him in, and they went to the playoffs. And I think the three guys that we're talking about are better than Mac Jones. So who's to say if they if they were even to invest the seventh pick if if one of those guys fell to them or if they moved up a couple of slots slots and I don't think you're ha- going to have to go to number one to get at least one of those three. Uh, who's to say that they can't stick that guy uh, you know in as a starter right away with the offense around him? Think about that. You, normally, when you're a top rookie quarterback, you're going to go to a pretty bleak situation because so, somebody is drafting that high because they were a bad football team. A rookie quarterback, let's just run with this argument, a rookie quarterback with the Raiders would be stepping into an offense with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, uh, a Pro Bowl you know, left tackle. They'll probably make some adjustments and some improvements on the offensive line. That's a pretty good support system for a rookie quarterback. And so many guys nowadays are winning early in their careers. So who's to say if, if one of those you know, uh, top three quarterbacks is the apple of the Raiders' eye that, that, that they can't just go ahead and drop that guy and start him from day one. And that's why Vinny is a pro's pro. He, he didn't even know the show topic today, but Vinny, the show's topic would is, would you be okay with starting a rookie quarterback if the Raiders believed that that was their franchise guy? And you just laid it out perfectly. And again, that's why Vinny is a pro's pro. We're talking to Vinny Bonsignor from the RJ and also Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Vinny's a pro's pro, but some people like to think he's an agitator. So, Vinny, I've got to ask you. Wait a minute. Hold on. That's from one agitator to another. So, so Vinny, you released a story, and it it kind of detailed that the Raiders, everybody, they're exploring their options with everybody. Not to say that nobody's in a safe and and a mean way as a pejorative, but Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, if the right trade came about, they could be moved. And some people didn't like that. You're basically saying Waller is as good as gone. So how likely do you think that actually would be for this Raiders team? Well, first of all, I don't remember writing that um, or reporting that. I saw some headlines that took things out of total context. You know, we saw what Jeremy uh, Fowler tweeted. Yeah. All right. And, re- and, and, and honestly, I asked people to just read that tweet over and over and really take a look at what he said. The Raiders might be very aggressive in, in, um, in tweaking their roster, which they should. They were 6-11. and 11. They want to make some improvements defensively. You've got to, um, you know, uh, keep all, all, all options open. But then he said, as a result of that, other teams are going to monitor the situations with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why, first of all, 
anyone that says then or takes that to say that the Raiders are putting Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro out on the open market, out on the trade market, that's not the case. It's saying that other teams will look at the Raiders trying to improve their roster and maybe ask about Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. But it's one thing to ask. It's a whole other thing to actually consummate a trade or get the Raiders to agree to a trade. Could there be an offer that comes for either one of those players that Wow, it helps the Raiders right now, and maybe add some draft arsenal, perhaps. But that that's a that's a far cry from actually saying that. And I've seen some of these headlines, which I'm scratching my head. Why would you know, other than trying to get you know attention for yourself or trying to get clicks? It doesn't mean that they are putting those guys on the trade block. That that's not what's happening. It's just the fact that other teams might be looking at the Raiders who are looking to improve their roster and saying, hey, you know, hey, we've got a great safety over here. We've got a great cornerback. Would you want, you know, how about we give you our great cornerback for Hunter Renfro? That doesn't mean the Raiders are going to say yes or no for that matter, but it just means that other teams are going to be inquiring about him. So you have to read things and not necessarily look at some of the headlines that people put on on, on those types of tweets. Well, Vinny, I'm going to rip one straight from the headlines again on you. I know what you just said, but I'm ignoring it. <laughs> you mentioned another team. Hey, we got a great cornerback. Let's see if they would be interested in a trade for uh, the Raiders. There you go. Careful, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Careful. You know there's websites out there that are listening right now, and they're writing a story, and they're going to say, Vinny said this, or DeMond said this as fact. No, they never say DeMond said anything. I'm nobody. <laughs> so, well, they don't even say me. I'm going to say no without even knowing who you're going to talk about because I know who you're talking about. They, they don't even, I'm going to already say no, but go ahead and ask. They don't even say me, and it's my show, right? They don't even say me. They'll just be yeah, like, exactly. oh. Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> Go ahead. Who do you think gives them all their material? All right, Vinny. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey, do you think that, not maybe is he going to be open for the Raiders, maybe, maybe not, but do you think that the Rams are seriously shopping Jalen Ramsey? Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily shopping him, but I think that they they understand that, uh, and, 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 and uh, I would say no from the Raiders' perspective, first of all. Um, anything can happen, but I would say no right now. Um, uh, you know, in terms of Jalen coming to coming to the Raiders, from the from the Rams' perspective, you know they've got some holes to fill on their line uh, in their roster too. So so they're looking at all right, what's a tradable asset that we have here? And Jalen Ramsey is one of those types of guys, and he can get uh, a return. You know, uh, to, to maybe help them uh, round out their roster in other ways. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't classify it as shopping, but I think that they're definitely uh, open. Uh, if somebody wants to call. Again, we're talking with Vinny Bonsignor from Raider Nation Radio 920, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang, and, of course, the RJ as well, the Review Journal, Vegas Nation, does a lot of fantastic work, a lot of great writing there that you have to read it. You definitely have to yeah. read it because he puts it out there, he lays it out there, but uh, he's not putting out any uh, any BS. That's what he's not going to do. And I know that you've been talking about players that are on the Raiders roster that are going to be unrestricted free agents, and that's a conversation we've had around here as well. And, uh, you know, who who do you look at? Uh, as far as priorities that you think that the Raiders need to look at their roster and bring back? Well, I think Josh Jacobs, first and foremost, is, is a priority. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing, and this is, you know, I, there's a lot of guys on the, on, you know, of that group or, or a handful of guys of that group that, you know, you would probably like to see guys back, Foster Moreau. Uh, I think Deron Harmon uh, has a value as a veteran, uh, you know, guy that you, you, you feel comfortable um, starting him out there, but also as a, as a resource for some of the younger players. Uh, I think Denzel Perryman, if the price is right, is a guy that um, you know the Raiders would 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 be wise to bring back. But but after that, I don't really see and and you know this is this is probably part of the problem and one of the reasons why they were six and eleven. When you look at uh, all the other guys that are free agents, are there guys that they just desperately have to bring back or? 
not only that, are there guys that are so attractive to other teams that if they dare let them uh, step foot outside, uh, you know, their building to go to go shop themselves, uh, that you know they're, they're going to get blown away by offers, and the Raiders are going to have to you know say no, nah, we're not going to be able to match that. I, I don't I don't see that many players, even though there's 23 of them, that are going to be breaking the bank uh, anywhere. So I think for in a lot of those cases. Uh, short of Josh Jacobs, who you don't, you know, you you don't even let him go out on the on the market. You take care mm-hmm. of that before it even gets to that point. Um, but I don't really see all. I, I see more of this type of scenario. Hey, you know, here's what we think that your value. This is what we would like to bring you back at. Uh, but if you feel like you need to go out there and 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 see what else is out there for you, uh, go for it. You know, give us a call when you get your best offer, uh, and and you know, we'll let you know if we're going to be able to match that or not. It's it, there, it's just not a group that. It's so, uh, oh my gosh, you cannot lose that guy. Right. I just don't see that type of player other than Josh Jacobs. No, I, I'm with you. Uh, when me and DeMond discussed it, I had five guys. That's all I had that I thought were guys that needed to come back. I had right. picked Josh Jacobs, Jared Stidham for obvious reasons. Yes. I, I picked Jakob Johnson because he blocked for uh, Definitely. He, he blocked for Josh Jacobs. Uh, Deron Harmon, and then I even picked Matt Collins, but if they didn't bring back Matt Collins, I was okay with that. So really, it was like four and a half. <laughs> yeah, and I'm with you on, especially uh, Jakob, and I don't think that there's going to be a major market for him. He's going to be inexpensive. Right. He knows what his role is. So, uh, and, and I think I, I almost I almost consider him a guy that's going to be back. Like he's a free agent, but I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's right. going to stay right here. But but I'm with you. Other than that, it's like okay, well, um, you know, uh, good luck to you. You know, like, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about Rocky Sin. I'm talking about Jermaine Illuminor. I think the Raiders would like him as a maybe a swing tackle. I think they want to upgrade at right tackle. But if he gets an offer. Somewhere else to be a definitive starter. I don't think that they're going to, you know, blink an eye uh, over that. And that's nothing against Jermaine Illuminar, and they would get compensation and a comp pick for him. But you know, I don't, I don't see like that, 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 that's there's so many pressing needs right there of those free agents. Right, I agree, 100. percent Again, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Necessary roughness. All right, so here's a million dollar question. We talked about the rookies quarterbacks that could potentially start. Now let's dip into the veterans. We know the names out there. We're not dumb, right? Uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G, or maybe Jarrett Stidham. I just don't see that happening. But out of those three guys, which one do you feel like is a most likely chance to be a, a Raiders starter in 2023? Well, and this is all dependent on whether Tom's going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, come back, you know, and, and not retire. But I would say Tom Brady sits atop that list. Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think he's going to be as expensive as, as the other guys. Uh, the, the Raiders uh, and Tom would, would totally be looking at this as a very short-term type of situation. Um, it would allow them to maybe even still draft a quarterback at number seven or trade up to go get a quarterback um, you know, under that scenario. And, 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 they, and because he's not going to come all that expensive, they could use resources financially to go you know, fill other needs um, on, on their roster. So I, I would say that he's number one, but I think you have to look into Aaron Rodgers if that's viable, and it seems like there's some smoke surrounding um, you know, Aaron. Uh, so we'll see where, where, where that heads. Jimmy Garoppolo um, you know, definitely is somebody that would be a, a person of interest. And here's the thing with him, um, you know, with the injury concerns, what does that contract look like? I don't, I don't think you could, you, could, you could safely give him a four-year, traditional four-year contract where all four years are guaranteed. I'd almost think that you'd have to, you know, a four-year contract in, in name only, but really uh, make sure that uh, the guarantees are paid in those first couple of years. 
um, you know, to, to, to avoid any kind of a situation where you've got an aging, hurt, broken down player of the last two years of his contract putting a drain on your, on your salary cap. Uh, so if they could work with, you know, Jimmy on something like that, I think that could work as well. But the other, the thing about Jimmy, I think there's going to be some competition for him out there as well. Because mm-hmm. he's still kind of young enough that I think there, there would be a market for him. So from the Raiders' perspective, how high do you want to go on the salary? How many years do you want to go uh, if, if, if the market starts uh, going in that direction for him? Vinny, I want to shift gears to Kobe Bryant. I know that you were basically there for Kobe's entire run out there in L.A. So what are some of your best Kobe Bryant memories? Man, um, uh, a, a, a whole lot. I think, the, I think the one that always stands out to me was, um, you know, toward the end of his career, uh, they used to, uh, for the post-game uh, interviews for him, it used to be where you, we would just talk to him at the, in the locker room after the game. But then it became, there was such a mad, you know, rush to go, to go talk to Kobe that they would bring him into an interview room, um, you know, after the game. And that's where we would talk to him. And so this one night, um, and, and Kobe got to understand he would be dressed in a beautiful suit. Like, he always was a class act after the games, you know. And so he comes to, into the in, interview room, and I'm, I'm sitting in there, and I'm, I'm looking uh, toward the back of the room, and I see these two gentlemen with the, the Lakers PR director, John Black. And they didn't, they looked important, but they weren't recognizable. And so I asked somebody else, like, hey, you know, who are those two guys? Well, it turns out that they were from the White House. I forget, I think it was Barack Obama was the president at that time. And uh, they, were, they, were, they were part of the, um, the press room, the, uh, the, the uh, speaker of the White House, the spokesman, the White House spokesman, and his assistant were there. And, and they were just kind of coming in to watch the games as a fan, and they were, they were in the interview room to listen to this, uh, to this interview, uh, press conference. And Kobe, in typical Kobe fashion, answered questions in English, Spanish. I think there was an Italian question. Like, literally, that's what we, he used to do that. And every answer was eloquent and, you know, uh, thoughtful and insightful. Kobe was one of the smartest athletes I've ever been around. And I kept listening to Kobe, which is normal stuff for all of us, but then looking at those two guys, and I could see, like, the wheels, you know, going. Like, they were like, this guy could be a politician. This guy could be a, a guy that you can put a campaign around and maybe get, you know, like, they were looking at him and w- listening to him speak and just amazed. You could see the amazement in, 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 in their face. And I just felt like it was really cool that somebody of that, in that world, got a chance to really sit in and listen to what we always got to hear from Kobe and his eloquence and insight and intelligence and speaking in multiple languages and watching their reactions. So that always, always, I always remember that when I think about Kobe. You know, I, I started off the show talking about when I found out that he had passed away. I was in Miami preparing for the Super Bowl that year. You know, the, the Niners and the Chiefs, and it was a Sunday. We were on Radio Row putting our equipment up and everything, trying to set up and get prepared for that Monday. And the first day on Radio Row Monday was all about Kobe. It had nothing to do with the NFL. It was all basketball and Kobe. So when you found out the news, knowing that you were around him as much as you were and you covered him like you did and talked to him the way you did, what were your thoughts? Well, I was, I had just arrived in Miami too. I had just checked into my hotel. Uh, and I do remember that, 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 that whole couple, first couple of days, there was a somber yep. uh, feeling, uh, around Miami. Um, and with the players, everybody, everybody felt it. But for me, you know, a friend of mine texted me, he's like, this isn't real, is it? And, you know, he, he texted me and it was, it was a screenshot, uh, of, um, TMZ Sports putting mm-hmm. it out. And I already know, knowing how they operate and how they roll, they're going to be, right almost 100 percent of the time so they wouldn't put something out they were so dialed in especially in los angeles uh, where they're based and i was like i just it kind of took my breath away yeah and then of course i had to do some detective work to find out if it really was true and probably about a minute or two later 
um, started seeing some of the reports and, and the confirmation. And I'm not going to lie. I cried. I cried. I cried uh, pretty much all that day. It mm-hmm. was just a devastating, devastating, devastating blow because I know the world knew him as, as Kobe, and but a lot of us were fortunate enough to really know him when he was 17 years old. I saw his first summer league game uh, at the at the Pyramid at Long Beach State. He scored wow. 27. I think he took 23 shots to get there, but in typical <laughs> Kobe fashion. <laughs> but he was 17, working against like, and and in, in, in those days, you had veterans out there as well. Um, and, and so seeing his, his, his life arc, you know, going from a 17 year old kid to a middle-aged man in Los Angeles, we all, we all got, the whole world got to, got a chance to really see him grow up and specifically, uh, in, in LA. So, um, it was just, it was like losing a family member. It, it definitely yeah. was. No, it was, it was, it was, it was wild, man. It was, uh, like I said, I'll, it's one of those days and there's not a whole lot of them in my life, yep. but I'll never forget that day, right? There's just that day that will always stick out to you. Well, Vinny, fantastic stuff, man. Thank you so much. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, writing about wide receivers and tight ends, I don't think it's an, an necessarily a need, but when you look at Mac Jones, or excuse me, Mac Collins might be a free agent, mm-hmm. um, Keelan Cole's a free agent, Foster Moreau's a free agent. It's kind of a sneaky position to keep an eye on um, in terms of free agency and, and trades. And, and I really do think that, um, and so we, we wrote about some of the free agent possibilities that are out there at both of those positions. I really think the Raiders need to add some speed, too. Uh, you know, I know that they tried to find some speed uh, last year. It didn't really work. Um, with some of the guys that they brought in, but if you if you if if you watched last year last season, it just felt like there was just a little bit of lack of explosiveness. I think that the Raiders could do well bringing in somebody that brings uh, that that kind of an edge um, or, or that element because it, it felt like it was missing last year. No, it really did, and it's funny we were talking draft earlier, and, and Demond brought up Jalen Hyatt from uh, Tennessee. He's got speed. He's a guy that's going to be uh, you know later on in the, in the draft, and I said you know if you get a guy like that. You don't ask him to do a whole lot, but you could ask him to stretch the field, and that might be a nice little uh, element, uh, added addition to that Josh McDaniels offense. Yeah, and and you, and you put it perfectly because you know if you could go the free agent market, Lazard from Green Bay kind of comes to mind, uh, but but then you're going to have to pay for that. But if you get it in the draft, like you just said, you don't necessarily need that guy to be anything more than than that early on. You know, you hope that he grows into something bigger uh, as the years go on. But but when you put just a speed guy. In between, you know, Devonte and and Darren and, and and Hunter in the slot, all of a sudden you can see that guy getting freed up in some one on ones and just having a role early on as that kind of a guy, even just to stretch the field. Right. Um, you know. Uh, so so I I think the draft is a place where they could where they could find that. We're seeing more and more some of these young wide receivers, whether it's the first round or later on of the draft come in and have, have, have pretty big roles, so uh, that might be a place where, the, where they look for that speed. No doubt, no doubt. Well, great stuff, Vinny. We definitely appreciate you as always, my man. Uh, have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Have a good one. Have a great show. All right, appreciate you. There he goes. Vinny Bonson, you are Radio Nation Radio 920. Of course, wake up with him, Clay and Heidi, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on Radio Nation Radio. And, of course, check out all his work in the RJ and on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. 423 is the time. You want to stick around here for a couple minutes tomorrow, go over a couple text messages, then take a quick break? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. How about Vegas Pete? He said, Kobe is one of my three favorite people ever. As Shaq said, part of me died the day Kobe died. Also, Thanks for doing a Lakers segment, Q. No problem. That's from Vegas Pete on the don'tbebroke.com text line. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we've got we've to gotta focus on – I mean, I know we're focusing on the Raiders, but we've got to focus on 
on, on, on everything. You know, I like to dip into everything. And uh, Kobe was was a, a big part of, uh, or at least I felt like a big part of my childhood. Um, you know, just growing up, just kind of watching him play and come into the league and the way that he was, you know, basically a clone of Michael Jordan. And uh, I always like to see, I just like to see how he grew, how him and Shaq grew. And then, of course, they, they grew apart and Shaq went on to Miami and won a ring there. It really wasn't led by Shaq, but it was, you know, he still got a ring. And then you saw what Kobe was able to do with the Lakers. I thought it was amazing. And you really saw him mature as a young man. So definitely appreciate that. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Who we got? Paul in Temecula. Paul, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? What's up, Damon? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, um, so to answer your original question, would I be okay starting a rookie quarterback? Um, I think if, if you could pick up the McDaniels offense, um, I think you might as well roll with them so you could get some experience. So that so so that that'll be one. Um, a couple a couple of key points though that I want to kind of bring up a little bit, maybe potential draft trades. So what I would do. And this is kind of a little bit. So what I would do is kind of move back if I can between that window, like eight, nine, and maybe eleven, and stockpile up uh, for next year's draft. So pick up. So if we were to switch with, like, let's say eleven with Tennessee that needs a quarterback, right? So they would jump up from eleven to seven, and maybe they could get a quarterback. We 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 pick eleven and then ask for their first round for next year. And then I would roll with Stidham, save some money, don't pay for a high-priced uh, high quarterback, save some money, build up the offense and the defense, right? And, if, and if, if you do good with Stidham, it's a win. And if you don't do good with Stidham and you have uh, – uh, you're drafting – the team doesn't do good and you're drafting lower, you have enough draft capital to maybe move up to get Caleb Williams. So kind of kind of planning ahead, thinking a little bit. Um, not this year's draft of quarterbacks, but next year, if Caleb Williams is that guy that everybody's talking about, the next generational player, a la Mahomes, then try to be creative and move some draft capital for next year's draft, and then and then maybe move move uh, Derek uh, to Washington, right, and maybe get a second round pick from Washington if you throw in a Hunter Renfro in that package kind of incentivize that deal, you know? So, again, just, just stockpiling up for next year's draft so we can make a move and, and maybe think about that scenario. So if we, if we go with Stidham and if we win, great, right? And if we don't, then you're, you're in a position where you can get a generational quarterback. What do you think? Cool. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much for the call. And, uh, you know, when it comes to D.C. and where he goes, he's going to have to approve where he goes. I mean, there's there's no the Raiders don't decide his destiny on that. He he approves that. I just I, I find it very hard to believe that he'd go to Washington because he wants to be a place that's stable. And I don't know, man, I, I just don't <laughs> see stability when it comes to Washington, Daniel Jones, or real, not Daniel Jones, but Daniel Snyder, excuse me. Real quick, to answer Paul's question about a hey, stockpiling for next year's draft, the team that's going to be picking number one, let's assume that they were they get the number one yeah. pick in the draft because they have bad quarterback play. And if Caleb Williams is as good as you think he is, you're not trading out of that generational talent just because they're offering you maybe a first in two seconds. Is the point I'm making? Right, right. Think right. about all you. those guys that are can't miss the Andrew Lux, the Trevor Lawrence. Is those guys were they're not? You could have offered the Colts the world for Andrew Luck. 
but they were still going to keep that number one pick. Right, right. So, yeah, so the, the cost would be too much. If the quarterback prospect is as good as you think he is, whoever has number one, they're not giving him up. Right, no, there's, that's, that's the reality of it. And there might be some teams that you look at throughout the course of the 2023 season, you're like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, they're tanking for Tua or they're sucking for luck or they're doing whatever that, you know, whatever the case may be. They that might come down to it. It might come down to I don't know some catchy phrase when it comes to Caleb Williams because I do think he's going to be that good, but obviously it's a long way away, so we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But uh, I, I, I understand uh, the theory of where you were going, so thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. 428 is the time. When we come back, Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. He'll join the show, talk all things Kobe Bean Bryant. This is Red Nation Radio 920. The Lakers down one. Will Kobe give them one last gamer? Bryant on the move with the jumper. He oh, got it! My- 60. What can I say? Mamba out. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Well done there, Damon. Well done. Sounds of Kobe Bean Bryant right there as we come back to Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And as you hear that, we bring in our next guest, Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com, also the front office show, at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter. And Trevor, thanks so much for your time, my man. And Usually when we have you on, we're just talking Lakers, but obviously today is the day. It's been three years since Kobe Bryant passed away. We found out that news on that Sunday uh, right before I was in Miami when it happened, preparing for the Super Bowl that year on Radio Row, and we all got the news in the first couple days on Radio Row. It had nothing to do with the NFL. It was all about Kobe Bryant. You've been covering the league for a long time as well as the Lakers for a long time. When this day comes up, what are your thoughts of Kobe Bryant? Yeah, well, th- thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's it's hard not to think back to where you were that day. Uh, I'll never forget being in my backyard and getting the news, being out playing with my daughter and going inside and just spending the rest of the day obviously covering it and what was going on and just being in complete shock. Um, it, it's it's weird to think it's been three years already. It still feels like it's not real, but um, but here we are. And, you know, Lakers fans are, are still dealing with with Kobe being gone and, and still remembering all the, the fond memories and things that uh, that he certainly left us with. So it's it's not an easy day, but um, we try to take it as a as a positive. Remember all the all the great times that uh, that Kobe brought to Lakers fans. Yeah, and that's all you could do. You know, think about the great times and think about what he meant to the organization and what he meant to the fan base. So again, as you've been covering the team for so long, you know what 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 did he mean to the organization? Because they're not an organization where he's the only hero. I mean, they've had a long line of greats, but Kobe Bean Bryant was just another dude. Yeah, in fact, we were, we were talking about this uh, a little bit earlier today for for Lakers Nation, but it's it, the way he connected with fans. It was just on a different level, and for a franchise that, like you said, has seen so many different stars, um, twenty years for Kobe in, in purple and gold allowed him to really become a, a generational thing. You know, people grew up watching Kobe Bryant play basketball, so the connection that he had with with Lakers fans it's just on another level compared to any other of the Lakers stars. And again, there've been so many great ones. When you want to talk about. Magic or Shaq or Kareem or Will or West, you know, on and on and on. They've got so many amazing stars, but Kobe stands above them all. I've got him as as the greatest Laker of, of all time, uh, no doubt. It's because of that kind of generational impact that he's got. Again, twenty years allowed him to make such a huge difference. Uh, for so many Lakers fans. You know, it's funny what you said. I mean, f- fans grew up watching him play, but fans grew up watching him grow up too. 
Right? I mean, that's the thing. He was uh, a 17-year-old when he joined the organization, and to be there his whole career, everyone actually just saw the maturation of a young man, from a young man to to a grown man with a family and and, and then a, a businessman as well. So uh, you were able to be there firsthand and see all that maturation along the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, I, I kind of grew up alongside him. I, he, I was only a few years older than, than I am, so uh, it was you know, you look back, and just from a, a personal standpoint, you can kind of you can count all the milestones of your life. As, at the same time, as you look at the different things that Kobe was accomplishing across the the NBA, you kind of think about where you were in your life when they finally won the championship in in 2000, and then and then 2001 and 2002, and all the different steps along the way, from All Star appearances to scoring 81 points and and everything from from game one, you know, the, the air balls in the playoffs when he was young, all the way through. It's um, it's absolutely incredible. It's been uh, amazing getting to to cover him and, and follow uh, the Lakers and and uh, and the team as well throughout this uh, this 20 year stretch. It's it's incredible. And again, the connection that he's had with with fans it's it's on a whole other level. Talking right now with Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com, also from Front Office Show here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Demond's got one for you. When Kobe gave his final speech after the game, that his last game where he scored 60, the years that he talked about remembering the most would be those years that that the team wasn't doing well, those in-between years during the championships. And that stuck out to me because then he said they had the, he did it the right way when they finally got Paul Gasol and those other pieces to win a championship. But to you, which Kobe stretch of those couple of years where you said where you were the most impressed with Kobe? Yeah, I, I think I, I have to agree with him. With that. You know, he was, it, 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 almost, it took him kind of not taking a back seat, not, not toning it down, but just really growing into – what it is to be a leader because he's so he's so demanding and so we hear all the different stories about his workout regimen his work ethic the reality is that not very many people can match that not very many people can can survive going through what what kobe did in terms of you know the 3 a.m workouts and all the crazy stuff that that he was doing and so when he was holding everybody to that same standard and being as committed as, as he was it's just not realistic and it took him kind of realizing that and being able to um, to find a way to connect with his teammates in a way that I think he hadn't before. So that was what really stood out to me was we saw Kobe. You know, of course, we saw over the years the, the maturation on the basketball court, right? the development of his game every single year. He brought new things to the floor. You could see he was just constantly working, doing everything he could to get the absolute best out of himself. But it, were those, it was those seasons where he's playing with Smush Parker and Kwame Brown, and you know he's got all these guys, Chris Mim and... And eventually, they were able to turn that into a championship championship team. Go get Pau Gasol and, and then make that run there. It was in those years that he really had to adjust and become not just an incredible basketball player, but an incredible leader as well. So those are certainly memorable, um, absolutely amazing. And again, it's that, it's that on and off-court maturation process that we saw him go through. And something else that I want to ask you about, what was your favorite game? Maybe not the best game, or it could be the 81-point game or the last game where he scored 60. But to you, what was one of the games that you were there and just amazed by watching Kobe work? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the 60-point game, which is which feels you know, it's bittersweet because it was his final game. But to me, that, that was a game where I just had goosebumps the, the entire game. I don't think we've ever seen anybody do that before to the degree that, that he did, at least not, not in basketball, where – we had a player who so obviously was giving everything he had left. It really felt like Kobe was completely emptying the tank, and it was 
it was a, a gift to the fans there in L.A. He was expending the last bit of basketball he had in himself. And for a guy who made his entire career about pushing himself and about trying to get the absolute best out of himself, trying to con- constantly battle against the shortcomings of, of the human body, of, of mortality itself, to see him go out there and will himself to a 60-point performance in that final game, it, it was it, it was completely indescribable. I mean, the, the feeling you get thinking that he really gave everything he had. You know, we hear that all the time. Leave it all out there on the floor. Give everything you've got. I don't think we've seen anybody embody that mentality the same way that Kobe did in that final 60-point game. So it wasn't just what he did out there on the floor. It was the meaning behind it that, uh, that will always stand out to me. Talking right now with Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And, you know, we were talking to our guy Vinny Bonsignor a little while ago, and he spent a long time in his career in L.A. covering the Lakers, covering the Dodgers, covering all the sports scene there. And he said that Kobe used to always go to the press conferences and he would answer questions in multiple languages, in Italian, in uh, Spanish, in English. I mean, whatever the case, whoever the, uh, asked the questions, he was such a, a, a guy that could capture a room and, and, and catch your attention. Was there ever anything that Kobe said? that stood out to you that really resonated with you? You know, I mean, there's, there's so many different things that, that he has said over the years that have been inspirational um, when you look at all the different Mamba mentality quotes and, and everything like that. But there's, there's a moment that always stands out to me, and it's, it's almost a little bit, bit funny, but he's on the court, and Roy Hibbert is, is on the floor with him. And Kobe... Is, is, is he's in the middle of a game and it just it got captured on on camera, and he turns and he points to Roy Hibbert like the Lakers were kind of down in that moment and, he's, and he was trying to lead his team back and everything, and, and Kobe is is one for you know the the occasional four letter word and, and Kobe looks <laughs> at Roy Hibbert and he says hey come on Ever I believe in you, and it was just it, it was just such a like an amazing aside moment again he's got these great big close-ups that are all over the place but for some reason that one just sticks with me he just looked at him and said look you know as though he was going to going to give Roy Hibbert the confidence himself to just go out there and get the job done he just looks right at him and says I believe in you while they're on the floor playing the game I, I, I don't know why but that has just always stuck with me I love it one thing that I wanted to I wanted to make a point and then ask you a question Kobe the celebrity status that he had you take me back to Roy Hibbert but a moment where Nick Young Jeremy Lin um, ah. and they were on the court together and he's on Jimmy Kimmel live and Jimmy Kimmel asked him would this have happened if right. you were playing with them and they're all celebrating y'all thought we were done but it just shows that Kobe is just he didn't have to say a word but you could just tell that he was disappointed in his teammates but the fact that he was on Jimmy Kimmel live while being injured or do you think that Kobe Kobe reached a level of celebrity as an NBA player that I know LeBron is trying, but we're not going to see just like that icon status again. I mean, LeBron's, LeBron's pretty up there in yeah, terms of that, that icon status, that celebrity status, obviously across multiple mediums and, and all of that. But but Kobe's up there as well. You know, you look at everything that he was doing, of course, even outside of basketball. I mean, he's getting involved in film and you know, winning an Oscar and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, so he was he definitely took it to... Uh, a, a, an incredible degree. I don't know if I'll say it's, it's to a higher level than LeBron or anything like that, but, but Kobe does uh, have that way of just kind of capturing the room. As you said, he's got the ability to captivate people, and that was, um, that was always something that stood out about him, right? whether it was 
Regardless of what language he was speaking in, he, he managed to get all eyes on him. Yeah, no, he really did. Again, Trevor Lane is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 on the Sarah Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you, and let's talk about the Lakers team and LeBron, and obviously they're not where they want to be right now. AD just came back, dropped 21 points, coming off the bench, had a little bit of an ankle scare there, but looks like he's going to be okay. Does he have to stay healthy the rest of the way for the Lakers to be able to make a push and try to make the postseason? Yeah, I think, and we, we saw it a bit last night. You know, Anthony Davis is such an incredible player at both ends of the floor. You saw the difference that he made. You saw how many, many San Antonio Spurs players gave uh, shooting at the rim a second thought whenever Anthony Davis was on the floor. Um, he's absolutely incredible, and they definitely need him to be available for most of their games here to make a push. And there's an opportunity here. The Western Conference is wide open. There's plenty of uh, upward mobility there, but you've got to be able to stack up some wins and that's going to require Anthony Davis being out there on the floor. This is a very top-heavy team. They need LeBron. They need uh, Anthony Davis out there producing. And so if he's out there, you've got potentially an, an MVP candidate player. That's the level that he's playing at this season. Just got to stay healthy. We even got that scare last night when he landed on Zach Collins' foot. Looks like he turned his ankle again. Fortunately, sounds like he's okay because the Lakers absolutely need him. What have you thought about LeBron and his chase of Kareem trying to be the all-time scoring leader? Obviously, he's going to get there, but just what he's able to do at the age he's able to do it at, I mean, the dude is still dominating. Oh, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, there's, it's like you have to stop and remind yourself of how old he is and what most athletes are able to do at that age because it, you, you, find, you find yourself almost taking it for granted that he's just, oh, he's going to go out there and he's going to put up 30, he's going to put up 35. He's going to throw down tomahawk dunks and, and reverses and, you know, pass the ball wherever he wants it all over the floor, do all these incredible things. It's almost like you can just take it for granted. Like you have to stop and remind yourself, wait, this guy's 38 years old. Like what he's doing right now is <laughs> unprecedented at his age to be playing at this level. It's absolutely incredible. He's going to pass Kareem. I mean, it's going to happen most likely in the next, what, five, six games, something like mm-hmm. that based on putting up right now. And this is, and that's, that's a number that Kareem all-time scoring number was. That, that was a record that we thought was never going to fall, and then here we are. So, it, it's an incredible accomplishment, and something that you know I really recommend that we kind of stop and take a minute and recognize how big of a deal this is, and how amazing it is that he's putting on the performances that he is at his age. It's just so unprecedented. Troy Brown Jr., Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant. Are the Lakers trying to recreate a little bit of that Wizards team that Russell Westbrook was a part of to make them feel a little more, more comfortable? What's going on there? <laughs> it, it seems that way, doesn't it? You've got, you've got the, the L.A. Wizards here. You've got, you know, those, those four players, Russ and, and TB and, and Troy Brown and Rui. Um, yeah, I, a lot of this comes down to, you know, behind the scenes, in the NBA, in terms of getting deals done, people look at, you know, is a GM good or not, and what kind of deals can they pull off, but so much of it has to do with relationships, and very clearly, uh, the Lakers have a good relationship with the Wizards. We've also seen them make several trades with the Orlando Magic, so it's just about building those relationships. It's easier to, to pull off trades with teams that you kind of already have that built-in uh, relationship and that trust with, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's something by design where they're specifically trying to add former Wizards players to try try to make Russell Westbrook more comfortable or anything like that. I just think the Lakers have a good relationship with the Wizards, so that naturally creates an environment where pulling off deals is is a little bit easier than perhaps it is with some other teams where you know maybe there's still some some bad blood with Rock Lincoln from his days as an agent. Maybe there's some ill will towards the Lakers, a team that's you know historically done very very well. I think there's a little bit of that out there as well. So they're not always going to find the most hospitable trade environment out there. 
So when you find a team like the Wizards that doesn't mind pulling a deal with the Lakers, you can see why they keep going back to them. Well, with that being said, this is the final question for you. Do you expect to see any more moves made by the Lakers? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Rui Hachimura was a, was a great get uh, in terms of giving you that, that wing depth that you need. But he doesn't really check the box of, of shooting. He can shoot a bit from outside, but he's certainly not uh, a knockdown sniper. He's not somebody that's going to cause teams to really vacate the paint and not pack it anymore, anymore. So the Lakers could still use shooting, and we still have plenty of time until that February 9th trade deadline. So I would be surprised if they don't get at least very close to get, getting something done. I think they're going to be in discussions. Uh, Rob Palenka talked about it the other day, saying that they have to be careful with both those first-round picks, that if there's something that can push them to being a contender and winning a championship, they'll look at it. Uh, from what I've heard, what we're going to see here is the Lakers, they're going out on the road now. They're going to go play Boston on Saturday. And around the conclusion of that road trip, so February 5th-ish, that's when they're going to start to really re-engage. They're going to let the team kind of gel for a few games, see what's what with Rui Hachimura and Anthony Davis getting back in the mix. And they're hoping that while they're out on the road, what's going to happen is around the league, the prices are going to come down a little bit. They're going to get a bit more realistic. Uh, some of the sellers out there right now are asking a lot. And so the hope is that the Lakers will gel a bit and price opportunity to strike a deal in the last few days before uh, that February 9th deadline. There you go. Great stuff as always. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. You can find Trevor on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Also doing a lot of work with Front Office Show as well. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for, my man? Yeah, well, I'm going to do, uh, we're going to have a new Lakers Nation podcast out tonight. We'll certainly talk a little bit about uh, Kobe. We'll talk a bit about the trade front, some potential targets for the Lakers, things uh, of that nature. That one will be uh, published. It can be found uh, wherever you listen to podcast feeds, as well as uh, the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, which you can find at youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. There you go. Well, Mama Q, who's a big Laker fan, just gave me a double thumbs up, so she approves. So uh, thank you so much for the insight, Trevor. We definitely appreciate you. No problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Great stuff. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Good stuff from him. Great stuff. Really deep diving on Kobe Bryant. And then, of course, going a little bit behind the scenes with the Lakers who are struggling. You know, they really got to put some work in, but they've got the tools. They got most of the tools if they can stay healthy. Street clothes. I mean, Anthony Davis, I'm talking to you. 449 is the time. This is Brand Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. Got a couple text messages I wanted to get to. Jim from Yonkers said, why is everybody pushing for Stidham? The next quarterback has got to be better than Carr to justify getting rid of a franchise quarterback. Thanks for another great show. That's a that's a good point. Again, the sample size. I, I try to caution everyone, don't fall in love with the two-game sample size. It's just, in my opinion, not enough. Right? Yes, he's shown that he can operate the team. He can run the offense. He could take a hit because he took some hits. But I don't think that you want to go into the season and like Jarrett Stidham is option A. Now, if he was a really good backup and something were to happen, I would have you know pretty much good confidence that, okay, he could slide in there. But I don't think that that's who everyone should be advocating for. Oh, Jarrett Stidham would be the guy. I don't just – I don't – I don't see that, Demond. I think this is more of a case of a vocal minority than like because when it's like everybody, who is everybody? Because <laughs> uh, I know if you're listening to this show, right, it's not the two hosts here. No, so it's one of those. Hey, man, maybe because it's one one person says it, and you're like that person's crazy, right? But I will tell you right now, it's not everybody. Speaking of speaking of the two hosts here, and I forgot to do this at three thirty. Pull up this number. We'll do this live on there. This is called a cover three. Cover three. Did I ever send it to you? Oh, no, it should be in there. Cover three soundbite. It's number JX1DUG2. 
I just it's only a ten. Oh no, I've got I've got it. I've got, got it ready. It? Yeah. Okay. So this I want to set the scene real quick as we get ready to close out the show. Earlier today, our, our good guy Doug Doug Douglas he was filling in for Greg Salerno on the football halftime show on our other our sister station, twelve thirty of the game, same station that you do the fight game on. And I was on earlier, and then I said, Damon, go in and, and be on with Doug. So he said, okay, great. This is how they ended that conversation. Go ahead and hit it. Listen to Damon every day, 2 to 5, Raider Nation Radio on Unnecessary Roughness. He's with some other guy, but I don't even listen to that other yeah, guy. Yeah, you know, people say, some people say I'm the star of the show. Some people. They say if you leave, I leave. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let it be known. See how it is when I'm not around? Well, it's the it's, it's the it's the it's the company you keep, huh? You know what's funny? I did not listen to that. I had it ready to play, yeah. but I didn't know what it was going to be. That's so funny. I meant to play it at three thirty. I completely blew it and forgot to play it at three thirty. We had some great calls, but yeah, I heard Doug earlier when he was he was podcasting the show, and I was like, wait, 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 run that back. So when he ran it back, this is what we heard. Listen to Damon every day, two to five Raider Nation radio on unnecessary roughness. He's with some other guy, but I don't even listen to that other yeah, guy. Yeah, you know, people. Some people say I'm the star of the show. Some people. They say if you leave, I leave. <laughs> there you go. If you leave, they leave, huh? So they be saying I ain't make it up. <laughs> they they be saying that's what your other voice that you be using, right? That's your we gotta we gotta wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we gotta wrap it up. Speaking of wrapping it up, those Warriors wrapped up the Grizzly last night. I, I didn't get a chance. I know home cooking when I see it. <laughs> home cooking? Steph Curry got kicked out. So then they had to give him the make good. Was, uh. Yeah, the make good is don't defend Jordan Poole on an inbounds and he's going to do a layup. Just saying. What happened there? <laughs> Eddie Pascal was in the studio earlier. You're going to hear from him next. Upon further review, it's the Raider Hour right here on Raider Nation Radio 920 as we keep the party rolling. We'll be back tomorrow. Of course, wake up with the morning show, uh, the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, JT the Brick, 12 to 2, and myself, well, Damon and some other guy from 2 to 5 on Unnecessary Roughness. Good night. <laughs>